following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the Visual Workplace this week where we are going to continue our discussion of the technologies of the visual workplace to understand what this phenomenon is, this wonderful paradigm of our intelligence called the visual workplace or workplace visuality or visual information sharing or visual systems. All of these are components of our understanding how things work for us at our work, in our work, through the devices that we put there, the devices that hold the attributes, that hold the SOPs, that hold the go, the the no-go, the temperature levels, the when does this happen, how does it happen, all of our supposed-to-happens, all of our standards, pull together into a wonderful paradigm of meaning called visual devices, visual solutions. And these solutions are put there by our intention, our intention to capture information that answers the vital questions that we have recurrently at work. And when we don't have those answers, what we have instead is struggle. It's micro-struggle, it's a tiny bit of struggle, but it is a constant, chronic, tiny bit of struggle all the time. No relief. No relief, no flow. No flow, no happiness. If you're not flowing, you ain't happy. And you can't flow when you're struggling. You can't do your work as a flow when you're struggling. And one little tiny micro bit of information will stop you. You know this. and It's called an attribute. If you don't have it, if you don't have it completely, if you don't have it exact, if you don't have it when you need it, you are bereft of that information. That information is missing. It stops you just like a Big Mac truck would stop you in front of you in your ongoing path, visuality. Every week on the show, we look at some aspect of that, about how some aspect of embedding our operational intelligence into the living landscape of work so that the workplace speaks. It speaks to us in a voice that we recognize as our own. We own it. We put it there. It functions for us. We have redesigned, recreated, reinvented our workplace based on what we need. And the way to finish that sentence is what we need to know. What do I need to know in order to do my work? What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? 
And when we get that in place, whether we're an operator or a CEO, it spans the spectrum. We then can rest. We rest. We have a little bit of margin. We have a sense of control. And out of that rest, out of that margin, out of that sense of control comes the second dimension, the second question of visuality. That is also eye-driven, but you can hear the we in it. You can hear the team in it because the second question is, what do I need to share? What do I know that others need to know that I need to share so that they can do their work more safely, more completely, more accurately, more on time? What do I need to share? And immediately, our identity shifts from being in control of our corner of the world to helping others and helping them in a way that is as specific as the devices that helped us in our need to know get control. And there are these circles, these this rippling effect, these circles of embedded knowledge, embedded know-how, and they overlap. And when they overlap, you have this tremendous cultural alignment, this fullness, this conscious organization, this thinking, throbbing, functioning enterprise. Visuality. Visuality isn't just the glue that holds all other improvement activity together, but it is the glue, the groundwork, the ground in which your enterprise resides. And without visuality, you are groundless. You have no foundation. You are always referring to something, someone, in order to get the information you need instead of having this wonderful fluid relationship with the workplace itself, with the physical environment. That's what visuality is about. Yes, wonderful point solutions that solve our problems, but intentionally networked, netted together into a living landscape of work. Coherent, intelligent, humane, profitable. So in our discussions that we've been having, and this is, believe it or not, show 15 in our visual leadership series, fantastic. (laughs) In this particular segment of visual leadership, we continue to focus on the supervisor as a leader so that he and she can become leaders of improvement. And on top of that, we're giving them visual leadership, which is the structure by which they lead and lead more effectively. As I said in my last show, if you've got a personality, bring it to your leadership. Be charismatic, be inspiring, be captivating, be a charismatic leader, and you will still need these tools. That's personality. You'll get some things done, but you won't be able to transform the environment through your um, charisma. If you don't have a lot of pizzazz, if you're kind of a subdued, subtle person, more elegant perhaps, and you have less of a flamboyant face, flamboyant personality, these tools are here to help you, the visual tools. Because what we're doing is creating an architecture of leadership so that the architecture resides even when we're not in it. 
We don't have to keep pushing. We don't have to keep checking. The architecture does the work. That's visuality. Visuality is tangible. It is a network of solutions, of tangible, physical, you can see them, touch them, they function solutions. That's visuality. Lean is one thing. Six Sigma is another. Taguchi is another. Um, let me think of some other. Um, A3 is another. These are all components, all the lean toolbox. But the foundation of it all is visuality, is information sharing, is the language of your work, the physical language of your work. So for leaders, they have that language as well. They have that language, and that language is made up of visual devices. And as we're going through the triangle of supervisors, and remember we mean managers as well as supervisors, as we're going through that triangle, we are looking at three main tools. At the top, the apex of the triangle, we have visual displays. They are there in order to gain supervisors and managers a little bit of margin. You can't shift without margin. You need a little relief. That gives it. And it also can be a very very much a driving force for changing the nature of the supervisor's work, even on the level of logistic logistics. We spent two or three shows on that. The next is the one we're at now, a double a double headed corner. We're going clockwise to the angle and the triangle that would come second. It's uh, at about four o'clock, twelve o'clock, four o'clock. And that is your stacked metrics, your visual metrics that illuminate cause, and your visual problem solving, your visual standard making, as I was talking about this last week. Those two go hand in hand. They are so closely connected as to be a single unit of function, except they're not. They're the metrics that illuminate and drive, and they're the board, the scoreboard that allows you to change that metric by changing cause, first identifying and then changing it. And that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on more technical aspects of that, what I call scoreboarding or visual problem solving. Before I do it, just a couple of announcements. Well, uh, for the most part, Oklahoma is sold out. I just want to let you know I'm really, really glad. And then uh, we have uh, Portland, Oregon, where we're doing a double event plus a visual side assessment at Benchmark, Benchmade Knife. Wonderful, wonderful company. We're doing visual thinking. This is the first week in June. Please come. There is a little, little, little bit of room left in Oklahoma. They've extended it to 75 for the seminar so they can fit a few more. We started at 30. We're now at 75, but that's the capacity of the room. So we're doing it again in uh, Portland. We're combining it with visual leadership, the conversation that we're having now, and then we're doing a visual side assessment of Benchmade Knife and our great host, Vance Culver, who is a part of the improvement team there, along with Phil. So I feel your last name escapes me right at this second, but the great Phil. Wonderful people, wonderful hearts, and shining intelligence. I go to the UK for Hotel Chocolat, um, the... Um, the third week in June, and on the fourth week, I go to the Royal Mail. Very, very different. One is discrete manufacturing of chocolate, and the other one is processing mail, oh, but the Royal Mail. 
<laughs> I imagine everybody's running around with scepters and tiaras on their heads. <laughs> oh, us Americans, we are so completely cockeyed about uh, the English <laughs> and that accent. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm right there with you. Which is wonderful. And the China date, China is happening. We got the ticket. And uh, the exact dates, it'll be the first and second week in July. And uh, we'll send out uh, some things to Asia and to China in case you want to stop by. I'll be doing at least two seminars, visual thinking seminars. If I can, I'll do a side assessment, which I'd love to do. And our host there is Stephen Lee and his colleague, David Cho. Wonderful, wonderful people as well. You know, people love visuality. Once they get it, they love it. And I want to send, uh, stretch out a, a happy hand to Steve Madsen, who called only yesterday. He's with Alcon in California, I believe Santa Ana or, or close by. And he, this is so nice. I don't get, you know, who knows about fans? But this guy has listened to all my shows, every single one of them. He listens to them on podcasts. And, uh, I was just so blown away. I, I want to tell you that it means so much to me when I find out that you're listening. That's that's why I love your emails. And uh, and I don't know. Uh, I think that why call-ins don't happen is that most of you listen to me on podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so happy. So, Steve, thank you very much for your lovely phone call. You brightened my day. You lifted my spirits. And uh, it was just a moment for me, a real, real thrill. Thank you. Let me see if there's any other announcements. Smart Simple Design is in the galleys now. We're proofing it, proofing it, still finding typos. It looks beautiful. Ewan Sujono from from uh, Sydney is uh, is doing the design. Wonderful aesthetic. This man has such an aesthetic. We have such beauty inside of ourselves, and the and it's and it becomes lucky that we're able to find a way to bring it out, to, we say, express ourselves, to express ourselves. It becomes a lucky thing and a a fortune in our lives to be able to bring it out. Whatever the voice is, whatever the beauty is, to bring it out is of such pleasure and such enjoyment. We enjoy ourselves. Self goes itself, myself it speaks in spells, crying what I do is me for that I came. Thank you. Gerard Manley Hopkins. So we're going into our first break. As soon as we come back, we'll get into the technology of of visual problem solving. I'll hit a few of the points from last week and then make a bunch of new ones. And I want to say that my purpose in doing this is for you to find pieces of it that you can use. I'm not expecting you to adopt the whole methodology, but I'm hoping to illuminate certain parts of what you're already doing so that you can strengthen what you're doing and you can feel confident that it's strong. So I'll see you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. 
Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and welcome to the second part of our show today. We are focusing on visual leadership for the supervisor, front slash, front slash manager. And the name of the show today is Leading Down the Causal Chain, the Architecture of Standard Making. This harks back to what I've spoken about a few times. And that is, number one, that when we think about a problem, we might already have the wrong idea. If we identify the idea of problem, we may already be going down a path that is not going to be that productive. Instead, I would invite you to see that when you are problem solving, what you are actually doing is going after a bad outcome that is the result of bad causes. It might be several bad causes. It might be a whole string of bad causes. It might be just one or two bad causes amongst many good causes. But the problem is caused. And somehow or other, we've kind of chopped off the idea of problem, and we see only its head or its toes. We've chopped off the rest of it. But a problem is the result. A problem is the result of causes, of causality. And I've said this a lot this year. If you look at Toyota and you lift its lovely skirt, you will see that what it's really about is causality. This is not discussed, but you know it's going to be in my book, the one I'm working on now on visual leadership. It is about causality. And if we look at our problems as causality, we back it up. We say, oh, my goodness, if what I'm trying to do, what this technique is about if it's what it is about is changing bad causes into good causes or getting rid of bad causes, then what I'm really doing is creating a sequence of good causes that gives me a good effect, a good outcome. And there's another name for that, and that name is a standard. 
our standards, our standard operating procedures, in this case I'm not talking about a standard as a spec, but a standard as a, an, op- an operation, a process, if you will, our SOPs. And even though it's not a popular way to say it and it doesn't run trippingly off the tongue, I rather think of visual standard making rather than visual problem solving. Because if you begin with that orientation that problems are about causes that have gone awry, gotten bad, you can still reform them. Most of them you you don't have to throw out the window, you just reform them, but you have to see them first. So I would suggest to you that one of the things you can experiment with supervisors in your role as leaders of improvement, visual leaders of improvement, is to begin to change the conversation with, let's look at this problem not as a silver bullet solution problem where we have to find the one right way, the so-called root cause, which is largely a mythical figure, pretty much on the order of a unicorn, lovely to think about, lovely to envision, but not real, not yet. If we, let's, let's, my team, let's think about this as a standard, that we have a standard that's gotten a little bit wiggly. And that feeds right back to so many of the other things that you're doing under lean, for example, or under any kind of systematic problem solving, but you're calling it differently. I will remind you again of what my sensei Fukuda said the great Sumitomo practitioner who went off on his own and spread his word through the world and somehow or other I found him. He said, a method, a a reliable method, an SOP, is made up of only those elements, those causes, which when not followed result in a predictable defect or waste. Beautiful inverse definition made up of only those causes which, when not followed, result in a predictable defect or waste. You know exactly what's going to happen if this isn't followed because the cause is there for a reason. It isn't every single stinking thing that you can do, including what your pinky is doing on your, on your right hand while you're doing something else with your left hand. It is those causes, those vibrant, robust causes that create the outcome. You don't want it drilled down to the nitty, 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 gritty, gritty, teeny, weensy. You want robust causes. So we're going to be talking about the role of the supervisor in leading this change in thinking. Visuality is all about mindset. It is, all, it is a thinking paradigm. Changing that thinking through real hands-on experience. Real hands-on tangible experience. And I want to suggest to you, supervisors and managers, to engage in a project like this. It has a beginning, it has an end, it has a middle. It's called, in your language, problem solving, in my language, standard making, causality, a sequence of good causes resulting in a good effect. To engage in this, to get people to see their work differently, because part of your job is to give the people who report to you a new identity, just as you are beginning to learn a new identity for yourself, the identity of a leader, a visual leader. Let them become scientists of their own process, but scientists pay attention. They pay attention to causality 
first and foremost, first and foremost, whether you're doing nuclear physics or biochemistry, first and foremost. Scientists of my own process, wow, gee, I thought I was just a machinist. I thought I was just an assembler. I thought I was just a nurse. I thought I was just a CEO. Oh, but I'm a scientist of my own process. All right. Who's going to teach me how to do that? I want to do it. I raise my hand. Well, this is a methodology for doing it. And so we begin. I want you to think of three parts. I call it scoreboarding. Yes, I teach it. I've been teaching it for the last 30 years. I love it. It has so many great components of it. So think of a board. Let's just say it's five by three and a half. It's like a big cardboard carton. And you can use that and put some white paper on it. It's chart paper. It doesn't matter. It can be a little smaller. But you have a left side, which is the past. You have a right side, which is the future. And you have a middle. You, as the supervisor, need to prepare the project. You need to select a problem that is chronic and costly. Use your A3 further on down the line. But A3 is not robust enough, comprehensive enough. It doesn't have the architecture to tackle complex, costly problems. It can give you some relief, but it cannot give you, with great respect everybody, a, a future. It give you some relief, but not a transformation. So, we have a board. You can think of it as a big piece of cardboard. It's fine. You want to be able to have it bend in the middle so you can take it to, to different um, meeting rooms or whatever. And on, and you're going to now, as your homework supervisor, you're going to build the board. And when it is sufficiently built, you will invite your your department, your the people who report to you, to participate in it. But it's already going to have a framework. You do your homework. You're going to have to learn how to do your homework. This is a new language. It's the language of visual problem solving. And so, on the left, we have the problem stated in one and a half breaths with evidence. Evidence will be your metric. You'll say, we're having, uh, we're having uh, a, loss of, uh, a loss of 25 uh, blades through bad burn through every week. You're going to state it. You're going to tell us how bad it is. That's $49,000 a week. It won't be that much. I better look at a real, a real problem here so I don't lead you astray and you don't think I'm flaky. <coughs> so let me give you an example of what this reads. So you want to have <coughs> a full sentence. So no more words than you can be spoken in two breaths, one and a half break, breaths. You want to state a time frame using like the words from and to, from January the 15th to February the 28th or to March the 28th. About a two and a half, three months time span is about the most. <clears throat> I'm going to change that. The problem can go on even for years, but... If it's a long-standing problem, confine the time frame, frame to about the last 18 months. People aren't, people aren't going to remember beyond them. Beyond that, it becomes someone else's problem. So you use a full sentence. You state a specific time frame using the words from and to. You quantify the problem in as concrete terms as possible. 
You can use the words resulting in. We had this problem resulting in, for example, lost dollars, lost time, lost customers, reduced output, increased levels of defects, lead time, customer complaints. You put it in that. And you have at least one point of comparison. You can compare today's problem against what it was. It used to be better or against a different shift, a different location, against industry standards, against your competitors. But the problem is not the target. So here, from May to December of 2012, that's eight months, non-value-adding activity in the Airflow test lab rose 63% from, 63, from 63% to 86%. Took us 14 minutes per piece in a test lab, which is already non-value-adding, resulting in 116 hours of extra time per month. That's the equivalent of, here's another point of comparison, two and a half full-time associates. We're consuming that every month with this problem. From October 2011 to April 2012, 390, here's another one, 395 out of 7,900 pieces of part number 1526 were scrapped due to bad burn-through holes. We lost $35,000. Point of comparison, nice short, but very focused. And then you graph it. You put a graph. You put your KPIs if you have it. If you don't have it, you put your customer's complaint. That is on the left. That is the past. That is the way you used to measure it. You name your team members. You name your leader. You name the meeting time and space. And that's that. Now you move to the right. And we will move to the right right after this break. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is our third segment of the Visual Workplace today. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host. I've been working in visuality for about the last 30, now now it was 31, now it's going on 32 years and loving every minute of it. I, as, as long as I get enough sleep, I've been a little bit short on sleep lately because the book has come back in galleys and because I'm finishing up some very important pokey oak work with my great colleague Martin Hinckley and because I'm doing all of this kind of traveling and I'm a little bit tired but I tell you even when I'm tired when I say my prayers I say thank you dear Lord for this wonderful gift the work that I'm doing thank you you know it's uh, it's my song and I love it it's a song that I know how to sing <laughs> and I'm always learning new words so I am nothing if I am not words. <laughs> so just before the break, we talked about the problem side of this diagram, the left, the problem effect, if you will, evidence of the problem. And we show that evidence in terms of how we have been measuring up until now. But now we have a tremendous opportunity. We move to the right. And you know what? We don't have to measure that way anymore. Oh, we're still going to keep the same KPIs that, you, that my boss still wants. I'm not going to forget about that because I need a paycheck. I've got a mortgage. But this is my project and I'm the leader and I'm doing my homework as a supervisor and manager and I get to work the future differently. And so when we move to the right, this is where we're going to have the target. But more importantly and first, what we're going to do is decide to measure differently. I call it the improvement yardstick. You decide, how do I best measure the progress of this project, the progress of improvement, and how often do I measure it? And of course, the more often, the better. So I'm going to develop before I develop the uh, uh, target statement, I'm going to decide upon the improvement yardstick. How am I going to measure? And you just begin that little, it's a little phrase. It's not the beginning of the sentence. It's the end of the sentence. As measured by. Your improvement yardstick is a concrete means for determining if the problem, if you will, if cause is getting better or getting worse. It tracks the behavior of that cause. It tracks the behavior of that problem. And if you think of it in those terms, you will move away from this idea of just monitoring. You will want that measure to do something else. And what I want you to want it to do is to illuminate cause. Because we're in a causality architecture right now with scoreboarding, whose ancestor was CDEC, cause and effect diagram with the addition of cause of cards but the purpose of the measure that you can control because you are in charge of this project supervisor this is part of your homework is to find a measure that will illuminate cause because if you measure and illuminate cause at the same time you're already revealing the future 
The measure must lead you to the reason or reasons the results are negative, must lead you to bad cause, and later it will lead you to the reasons that positive results are growing to good cause. You'll see. So set aside any approach that you were using in the past on the left side, the way you used to measure just a few moments ago. You'll keep that, but on this board, on the right, you're going to find a new way. You're going to go beyond monitoring. You're going to track. You're going to discover, and that will lead you to improvement. And you've got three questions. What will you measure? How often will you measure? What's the frequency, the intervals? I'm sorry. What will you measure? How will you measure? Exactly how are you going to do it? I'll give you some examples. And how often will you measure? That's the frequency, the intervals. And, of course, you're going to track as often as possible, and as often as you track is as often as you plot. Track as often as possible, plot as often as you track. So there's no collection of data or compilation. There's simply, you do the tracking, this happened, it gets plotted. It can be plotted by others. You don't have to plot it. In fact, I love it when operators, if you're working in a manufacturing environment, They do the tracking because you're going to bring them in. As soon as you get the target, the right side created, you're going to bring people in and they're going to see the framework of the problem and they're going to focus on the middle, the the causes, bad causes, good causes. And I want to tell you that measuring the behavior of a problem in this way almost always begins to improve it even if nothing has changed. But when that happens, pay no attention to it. It's the halo effect. It's phantom improvement. It won't last. Until you change cause, it's not going to last because nothing has changed, no cause has changed. So let me give you an example of the airflow we were talking about. As measured by, we are in the future now, not just going to rack up KPIs, but we're going to measure the behavior of the airflow problem by tracking the time it takes. Remember, they were taking more time, two, three, four times as much time to inspect a piece, which is already non-value-adding activity, to inspect a piece than they've budgeted. So we're going to track the time it takes to inspect one piece, and we're going to note it. This was an actual project I'll give you a little bit more detail in a moment after I set up a little bit more of your understanding. Unbelievable. And the operators got involved in it. Unbelievable. At first, Lee Martino, who was the supervisor, was tracking the data after each lot. Each inspection batch, or each one, was tracked. Or on our burn through, we're going to, in the future now, we're going to measure this problem's behavior by counting, each person is going to count all of the defects that that person found by cause. And they're going to note it on a bench chart. So it's right there. And a guy named George, who is the supervisor, collected it and posted it by the next morning. So it was the end of the shift thing. During the course of the shift, you found a problem, you found a defect. If you can name the cause, name it. If you can't name the cause, put it in the other or miscellaneous category or unknown category, and then roll it up. George will go around, collect your notes off your bench, 
and turn it into a plot, but not a summative plot, a plot that shows each incident of cause. So, if you were working on this, you'd work with yourself, and supervisor, I would say get yourself a partner to think through this, a partner, a thinking partner, a buddy, and think through. Come up with several choices. What are you going to track? How are you going to track it? And I want to say, how often are you going to track it? But also say, who tracks it and who's going to post it? Just just work that out. Just work it out. And then write it out. Turn it into a half a sentence. And then based on your improvement yardstick, yardstick, you then decide on a target and a target date. You don't just pull it out of the air. You say, look, I'm going to be measuring like this. And how? what do you think we should do here for a target date? By such and such a date, what's going to happen? Here's some guidelines. Your target should be achievable within about 60 to 90 days because this architecture can hold on to the problem and keep developing causes for 60 to 90 days. Remember, it's a chronic complex problem chronic and complex. But if you reach the target sooner, you're faced with two choices. Reset the target and work for a higher level for the remainder of the period if you reach your target sooner. Or close the project and start a new one. Work on a new problem. Get that choice. But what you don't do is if you don't reach the target by the target date, you don't continue the project without resetting that target date or without the decision of let's close the project. So if you, if you do reach it sooner, you reset, go for higher, or you close the project. If you don't reach the target by the target date, you reset it. And we used to go around with crime scene tape, and if a target date was out of date, we'd put big crime scene, crime scene tape on it because it was out of spec for the methodology of the diagram. You don't continue the project with an out-of-date target. It really is an indication of, if you will, disrespect or disregard or neglect. And by the way, if you have an ambitious target, don't do it. Divide it into increments, baby steps. Have a step target or an interim because you want the investigation of cause and the victory of good cause to be celebrated. You want to be able to notice it. So don't bludgeon me with, in three months we'll have uh, no defects. What does that mean? Break it down into what's going to happen week by week, two this week, reduction of another two the next week. And we'll be able to do that inch by inch by inch. And you celebrate each target step. I'm sorry, each step target. The good, you know, we get better when we celebrate our victories. So you want room to celebrate. So you think about what, is, what target is reachable within the target frame, time frame? What would be motivating? A stretch goal, but still motivating. And you sort that out with your buddy. And you put your choice into a full sentence that begins with by blah 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 by, excuse me, let me not do blah 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 by June the 28th, 
that's two months. Yeah, it could be done. By June, let's say by July the 15th, 2014, this will happen. By July the 15th, 2014, we will reduce non-value-adding activity in our inspection area, which is already non-value, from 14 to 9 minutes. This will be an 86 We'll go from 86% non-value-adding to 55% non-value-adding. That's a big victory. By August the 10th, scrap due to burn-through holes will be cut to, to less than two a day. By, by targets of one per week. So let's go into our next break, and then we'll have just a little bit of time to go into uh, bringing people together. I want to add some more words to this, and then I'll be right back. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. We have just a little bit of time left. This is the last segment of our show, and I want you to spot where we are. We're in visual leadership. You're a supervisor or manager, and you are going to lead people into a new way of thinking. You're going to lead them into a new mindset. This is not, by the way, work that an executive would do. When we get to the executive set of tools, they're completely different. They're linked, but their architecture is different. But this is tremendously important work that you are in a position to do. You've gained the margin through your visual display so that you can say, what am I going to do with all this extra spare time? Because I've got control over my logistics, my delivery. 
I've got control over my manning, my absenteeism. I've done that through my display. I've got control over my corner of the world. Now let me use those liberated resources to advance the corporate intent. I'm going to begin with some serious problem-solving, chronic complex causes. I'll do it quietly with the support of my boss. I'm not going to make a big thing of this. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to learn how to do my homework to set up this board, and then I'm going to bring the team in. And I'm working with my second shift supervisor, and he's going to bring his team in. We'll have two separate boards. Later on, we'll blend them. But right now, let's see what each shift does separately, and then we can get more efficient because we're in a learning mode now. We're in what I call the A cycle, which is the learning is for the person who is the instructor, learning how to do it. So the supervisor does his or her homework, setting up the left side, the past, the evidence of the problem with some kind of a problem statement and a graph, and on the right side, the future, the way we're going to, we're going to measure now, and a problem, st- a problem statement that captures that. So you convert your thinking into a sentence, into a problem, uh, if you, I beg your pardon, into a target statement. By thus and so date, we will do this as measured by, as measured by. By February the 27th, we will reduce non-value-adding activity from 14 to 9 pieces per minute as measured by the time it takes to inspect, for each operator to inspect one piece noted on the process improvement sheet on each bench. Lee compiles and posts the data after each shift. Actually, with this group, they did it after each plot. I wish that we were more efficient in posting our pictures, but I could show you this picture, which was a whole flip chart that the, sup- that the supervisor, Lee Martino, set up, but that the operators maintained, and they did their own plot after every single inspection lot. Page after page after page after page after page for every lot, not at the end of the shift, but as the lot happened. And they distinguished between value-adding and non-value-adding time. They looked at the non-value-adding time. They segmented by cause. The material wasn't available. The part was dirty, da-da-da-da-da, whatever it was. Wrong spec or whatever. They looked at the cause of the inspection, but they also looked at the causes in their process, how they were inspecting, and they plotted that. They took the whole project away from Lee because they got so involved in the stacked metric and the segmentation of data, of cause, they, beca- they became scientists in that very first, very first project of their own process. And they, they made what was a non-value-adding activity, inspection, te- uh, inspection, they made that into a streamlined, tight process. Just Amazing. So when you have that set up, you're going to now put your le- the right side together. You're going to now put, it, put together your target side. 
Let me just say a few things about that. Your target indicates your target chart. You're going to, you know, start start your graphing. Your target chart will indicate what and how often what you are measuring, what you are looking at to measure your improvement and how often are you looking at it. In that way, the graph and the yardstick align. They're congruent. You want to title your target graph so people know what they're looking at because it's not going to be your normal KPIs. You'll have the space of the time interval between each plot. For example, if you track your measure each hour on an eight-hour shift, your large interval will be the shift divided into eight sub-interval, one for each hour. And you name those on the graph as well, so you can see the time. You make an arrow on your chart to show in which direction improvement lies. And then you watch the data behave. And I love to think of the segmentation of data captured in your metric as data behaving, your performance behaving. And that sets you up now. You have the left side, the past, the right side, the future, how you're going to measure in the future, and you are ready for the center. The center we're going to do next week, but this is your homework. You set up the center also. There's two or three little steps, a very, very important step. I shouldn't call them little, very important steps that the supervisor does as part of his homework to set up the middle so that it can have focus and so that you're utilizing the time of these good people very, very well. And what you're going to do is prepare all of this, have people come into the room, and you will reveal it. You'll have it covered with paper, and you'll say, look, let me explain to you what this side is. This is the past. Let me explain what this side is. This is our target. You see how we're going to measure? See the segmentation of cause? Poor incoming material, damaged in handling, EDM-related, unknown. See how it's segmented? We've illuminated what's in that dot. We've answered the question, what's in the dot? It's no longer five. It's two, one, and two, segmented. Hmm? And now I want you to focus in the middle. So we'll get to that next week. But in setting up this framework, what you are doing is setting up a framework for leading a new way of thinking and making that a requirement for the people in your department, supervisors. We still have to do whatever we're doing for corporate and for the big guys upstairs. But for us, we're going to tackle something new, something that is going to put hair on our teeth and is going to show us causality. We're going to illuminate cause and we're then going to manipulate cause. We're going to become masters, masters of our faith. Masters of our fate and we're going to be in control of our corner of the world through this wonderful visual tool. This visual tool, in a way, is hidden in plain sight because we're used to posting ideas. We're used to seeing diagrams. We're used to seeing production control boards and displays. So we may not notice that it's visual. It just looks like a tool. That's okay. But then you work the components of this tool. And your identity begins to change because you are taking control of the direction. It's leading to the corporate intent, and you as a supervisor are controlling that direction. And you're going to do this project once for your own learning. You'll do it a second time and a third time. One of your operators will take it over, or you'll help them set it up. 
You'll see. You'll see. Okay. So we're going to do that next week. We're going to focus on the middle, and then the diagram will be complete, and then we'll move on to executive leadership. Okay. So it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. I've so so enjoyed it. So this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you know, I'm going to sign off right now. See you the next time. Thanks. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management